have to wait for people to be in a good mood. I don't have to wait to have a lot of money. I don't have to wait for everything to be just right for me to experience joy. I can receive it right here and right now. Glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Kingdom Rock Radio. I'm so excited to bring you the good news of Jesus Christ every week right here on our app, podcast, Roku device, radio, wherever you are listening. I'm so excited to bring this good news to you. Well, as you know, we're going to continue in the series entitled Uncovering Our Identity in Christ. This is part number seven, and it is subtitled He Lives in Me. Jesus lives on the inside of you. And I'm telling you, that's something to shout about. And we're going to talk about that today and a whole lot more. Now, don't forget to go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can download the entire series or just listen to it or watch the videos. It's all there for you. And let me ask you, if this message is blessing you, share it with a friend so that they can also join in as well. All right, without any further ado, here comes today's message, and it is entitled, He Lives in Me, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. All right, well, today we're going to go right back into the series entitled, Uncovering Our Identity in Christ, and this is part number seven in that series, Uncovering Our Identity in Christ. This is part number seven in the series. If you've not heard all the others, then go, go back and hear them again and really get them in you. It's so important that you understand it. Well, today we're going to continue, and this is part seven, and it is entitled, what? He lives in me. Christ lives in you. And Christ in you, we'll discover, is the hope of glory. That's God's plan for your life, who you really are. And it has all to do about Christ, all to do about the price that he paid for you. And there's a reason why he did that. You know, God was willing to, some say, bankrupt heaven. Really, he was willing to give the life, and he did give the life of his only begotten son. He did not spare Christ for you. He shed his innocent blood for you. You need to think about that. Why did God do that? Why did he make himself a human body and live as a man? Why did he do that? Why did he, um, why did he live as a man and not as God on the earth? Jesus lived and did ministry as the son of man. He died as a son of God, but he lived as a man, as a spirit-filled man. Remember, if Jesus did all the miracles and works he did as God, we'd be impressed. Wow, God, you did that, but we couldn't follow. But the moment he did it as a spirit-filled man, now we can follow his example. Hallelujah. And he lived his life in a manner which we can follow. Hallelujah. So uh, the Lord is, I mean, he is our confidant. He is our trainer. He is our guide. He's one who leads us in the paths of righteousness so that we can follow. Remember, Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. Now, again, is he, if he did that as God, how can we follow? But he did that as a spirit-filled man. He did, did that as a spirit-led man, being filled with the spirit, being led by the spirit. That's what we can follow. Hallelujah. He led, he led us into a path that we can follow, or he leads us into a path that we can follow. Hallelujah. 
So uh, again, today we'll be speaking from the subject of he lives in me. So let's go ahead and go to John 17, John 17. We're going to be doing just a little bit of reading here, uh, verses 16 through 25. There are just some phenomenal things. I'm telling you, the more I study, um, study the word of God, the more I follow, follow, in, follow, fall in love with Jesus. The more I fall in love with him, the more he surprises me, the more he impresses me. And I pray that you are impressed with the ministry of Jesus. I pray that you are. I pray that you are. So John 17, verse, 20, verse 16 through 25, and we're going to look at this out of the New Living Translation. And it says this. Of course, here's the Lord Jesus praying uh, his priestly prayer uh, over the disciples and over us. And he says this. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Now, that's already a powerful statement. Verse 17, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Glory to God. Verse 20, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So that says he's talking about us, right? He's talking about us. Jesus is talking about you. Hallelujah. If you have believed in him through the message of the disciples, through the word of God, he is praying for you at this moment. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And look at verse number 21. He says, I pray that they will all be what? One, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world, so that the world will believe you sent me. Look at that oneness. Look at that oneness. The Father is in Jesus, and Jesus is in the Father, and it says, and may they be in us. Wow. Isn't that, look, just think about that picture for a moment. Use your imagination. The Father is in Christ. Christ is in the Father. And we're in there too. Hallelujah. Oh, that's exciting. That's what God thinks about you. He includes you and say, hey, come on in here too. It's like a big group hug. Hallelujah. Come on in here. Hallelujah. I love that. Now look at verse 22. It says, the Lord says here, now this is Jesus' prayer. He's praying that. He prayed that for you and I. So you know that his prayer is answered. That was his prayer. So what we have to do is say, yes, I receive that, Lord. I receive that. I receive that. Cause that to come to pass in my life. I say yes. So this is an invitation. This is what Jesus prayed. This is an invitation. He's saying to you, come on. Come on and join this group hug. Come on. Come on and join it. We have to say, yeah, Daddy, I'm coming. Yeah, yeah. And come on in the hug. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Now look at verse 22. He said, I have given them the glory you gave me. That's a big thing. I have given you the glory you gave me so they may be what? One as we are one. So one thing you know about glory, the glory that Christ gave us, is that it makes us one. Now that's big. Let's read a little bit further. He said, I am in them. 
and you are in me. He keeps going on with it, doesn't he? He keeps saying that over time. He said, I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Oh, that makes you want to kick your leg out. Hallelujah. You love them as much as you love me. My God. What a very powerful statement. Say with me, I am loved. I am loved. This is a supernatural love that goes beyond understanding. You got to receive it. You got to declare it over your life that you are loved. You are loved. Jesus abides in you. Say with me, he lives in me. And I live in him. We are one. Good God Almighty. You see what I'm saying? The Lord Jesus said, Father, this is what he is praying. Jesus is praying. He's praying for us. And if there is anyone that ever got a prayer answered, that ever got a prayer through, it was Jesus the Christ. Hallelujah. It was the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world. And he prayed this prayer. Father, you're in me and I in you and they in us. And then he goes back and to say, he goes back and say, I'm in them and they are in in me we are one my God we are one and remember he gave us the glory so that we would be unified now that's a big thing my God my God you have to say yes Lord cause that to be in my life because glory one of the purposes of glory again is to cause the unity of the church my God what was it going to look like when everyone that says the name of Jesus, when everyone who is truly born again of God really gets along with everybody else? You got that right, Gene. When we're not gossiping and, and talking and, and, and hating on each other and all that, when we are unified, glory unifies us. Hallelujah. The glory of God unifies us. And if we're in a place where we say, I can't stand you, who you think you are, and this and that, and, and running it, moving your no hands or whatever people do, you say, I can't stand you. I can't stand you. You supposed to be saved and I'm supposed to be saved and we are not unified. That tells me that there's no glory there. The glory is given for the unification of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. So you got to say, Lord, I receive your glory. I receive your glory. I receive your glory. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, the glory that I had, I gave to them. So if you say, I don't have glory, then what'd you do with it? He said he gave it to you. Are you hearing me? Glory to God, I won't make you pick your leg out. Woo, Jesus, I love this. And so verse 24 says, Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. That's a huge statement. Hold on, we'll get back to that. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Verse 25, O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. Look at this scripture again. Look at verse number 24. Here's another challenge that if we, we can just pass this on by, I'm thankful that the Lord showed it to me and I want to show it to you. Verse 24 says, Father, 
I want these. Now, who are the these he's talking to at the moment? He's talking to his disciples, right? And those that will believe on his name, right? Through their message. He's talking to his disciples. Looking, he's looking at the disciples, I believe. As he's praying over the disciples, their disciples are in his presence, right? Right? Think about this. He says, Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. What, Jesus? Aren't we right here in the house? Why would you pray? What? Uh, aren't I right here with you, Jesus? Why are you praying for me to be with you when I'm standing right here? Why would you want to pray that prayer if I say, Lord, I want Gene to be with me where I am? Well, he's sitting right there. Are you hearing? No, he's talking about something. He is there with them at the moment, and he's also in the glory. He said, I want them to be with me. Let's, let's back up for a second. Uh, let's look at verse 23 again. He says, I am in them and, and you are in me. Um, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have uh, given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you love me even before the, before the world began. So he's talking about he's there in this natural world, but he's also talking about a time when he's there in glory. So, but he's saying, he's not saying, Father, I want them to one day be with me where I will be. He's saying where I am. His feet are on the earth, but he's also there in glory. And he's praying not only from where he is, but he's praying from where, in our perspective, where he will be. But where he is and where he will be is the same thing. Can I show you something else? Let's go to the book of John. Let's go to John. Uh, John, the third chapter. John, third chapter. And I want you to see this also as the Lord does something similar here in John 3, 13. Because Jesus is not bound by time, we also are not bound by time. And there are some things that we can walk in now in time that we don't have to wait till we get there in heaven to receive and walk in. Look at this statement here. Look at John 3, chapter verse, verse 13. It says, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven. Stop right there. He said, Nobody has gone up into heaven but the one that came down from heaven. Hmm. He says, even the son of man, which is in heaven. Now understand he's talking about himself, right? He said, no man has gone up to heaven, but me. And I'm the one that came down from heaven. Even me, the son of man that is in heaven. Wait, Jesus, I thought you were standing right here on earth talking to me. You're telling me that you're here on the earth, your feet are here on the earth, and you're also in heaven at the same time. Are you hearing me? Now, again, we just said a little, uh, a little while ago that Jesus operated as a spirit-filled man, not as God. He hung on the cross as a son of God, as the perfect lamb, perfect sacrifice. But he led his life, he lived his life as a son of man, that is a spirit-filled man. 
Hallelujah. The works that he did, he did as a spirit-filled man led by the spirit under the will and direction of the father, submitted to the father. That's something that we can follow. That's an example that we can follow. Hallelujah. And in this example is another case where he gives us an invitation where we are citizens of heaven, glory to God, and one day we will be there, hallelujah, exclusively, but now we are here on the earth, and while we are here on the earth, we can also experience heaven realities, heavenly realities, because Christ lives in you. Are, are we there? What I'm telling you is that we can begin to interact with heaven. We can, be in, we can begin to interact with heavenly things. We can be able to experience the glory and the presence of God, the fullness of his presence, the fullness of his glory now. You don't have to wait till you get there because as Christ is in you, again, as we said last week, that the power of God is so rich in you. And remember, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives on the inside of you. Jesus just prayed, Father, I am in them and they are in me. We are one one with another and don't you understand wherever God is he brings the atmosphere of heaven with him hallelujah so don't want you to think about a heavenly places somewhere being exclusively up yonder somewhere because Jesus also told you to pray thine kingdom come thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven so we're standing in an earthly place but we're also standing in a heavenly place as we're under the influence and direction of the spirit of christ hallelujah that means that when you walk in different territories in different places that heaven comes with you the influence of heaven comes with you hallelujah jesus said that he basically has traveled up to heaven and has come back and that he is still there and that there there are times of intimate fellowship and in prayer time when you are with your father that your father will invite you come up hither come up hither come up hither and he will show you things in the spirit he will show you things where he is because after all you are a citizen there hallelujah you are a citizen there and the only thing that binds you to this earthly reality is stinking thinking or is the sins that we so um, the the uh, presumptuous sins that we so easily just just give ourselves over to are you hearing what I'm saying to you I pray that's not too deep I pray that you that that you um, that you hear what I'm saying to you is that the Lord has given us opportunities divine opportunities through Christ to experience heavenly realities right now heavenly realities right now this is why people will be healed this is why they will be delivered this is why the captives will be set free because you'll bring his presence with you everywhere you go Hallelujah. Now let me show you something else. Let's go to Colossians, the first chapter, Colossians 1, verses 26 through 29. So again, Jesus gives us, in John, the third chapter, he gives us this, uh, really this testimony, this reality that we can, that even though we are here on earth, we should be able to experience heavenly things. Even though we are here, you're also, even though you're here right now, if you're born of God, born again, even though you are here, you are also with him there. Think about it. There will be one day that you are there with the presence of the Lord in heaven. Hallelujah. A place that has no time. 
but yet right now you are in time. And you're looking at me and, and I'm looking at you. You're hearing my voice and, and we're talking about a place. And, and one day when you get there, you'll look over and see this moment, if the Lord will allow it or if you, even if you want to see it, you would see yourself in this moment. Because listen, heaven is not bound by time. And the only thing that binds us to time is us. Because Christ is in you, Christ is in you, there is limitless power and resources that, that, are, only, that are only bound by our own imagination, that are only, that's only bound by our own thinking. So the spirit is, is as, as the song said, is breaking out, is breaking through, revealing heavenly mysteries and revealing heavenly truths. He's giving invitations to his body to come up higher, to come up higher, to come up higher. So look at this, Colossians, the first chapter. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I really appreciate you. Colossians, the first chapter, verse 26 through 29. Listen to this out of God's word translation. And it says this, in the past, God hid this mystery, but now he has revealed it to his people. God wanted his people throughout the world to know the glorious riches of this mystery. What's this mystery? which is Christ living in you, giving you the hope of glory. Christ in you is the hope of glory. We spread the message about Christ as we instruct and teach everyone with all the wisdom there is. Uh, we want to present everyone as mature Christian people. I work hard and struggle to do this while his mighty power works in me. Now the word hope <clears throat> talks about uh, an expectation of good. You don't hope for something that you already have, but this is something that is expected. This is, this is an expected good. Glory here, Christ in you is the hope of glory. In other words, Christ in you is something that is expected. It's an expected good. What is the expected good? Glory. Well, what is glory? The word glory in the Greek is the word doxa. Doxa, and in the New Testament, it is a good opinion concerning one, uh, resulting in praise, honor, and glory. Glory is also the glorious condition of blessedness, into which is appointed and and promised that true Christians shall enter after their Savior's return from heaven. Glory to God. When Jesus comes back for his church, we'll enter into that blessed, glorious state. That blessed, glorious state. But what I'm telling you now is that we don't have to wait until we get there to experience the glory of God. You can experience the glory of God right here and right now. Hallelujah. Right here and right now, there is a place where you can enter into the Father. There is a place, there is a doorway that the Father said is wide open to you. It is wide open to you that in the, that in the midst of calamity, in the midst of chaos, you can, your, your, flood, your soul can still be flooded with the peace of God. In the midst of hatred, your soul can still be flooded with love. In the midst of all depression and worry and confusion, 
your soul can be still flooded with the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. You're not bound by your physical condition. You're not bound by your physical circumstances. You're not bound to the atmosphere around you. You can still experience God. You can still experience the atmosphere of heaven where you are right this very moment. Why? Because Christ lives in you because Christ lives in you. You're not bound to where you are. You're not bound to it, hallelujah. So depression is gonna have to be our choice. Frustration is gonna have to be our choice. Fear is gonna have to be our choice. And you're gonna have to say, no, Lord, I, I, do, I no longer choose fear. I no longer choose worry. I no longer choose dread. I choose joy. I choose to operate in joy. I choose to operate in peace. I choose to operate in love. I choose to keep my love, joy, and peace cup full. I choose to keep it full. Now you'll have opportunities, opportunities in your life, a whole lot of opportunities to choose the other, but you got to refuse that no, I choose to dwell in the supernatural. I choose to dwell in the presence of my Lord. I choose to acknowledge Christ Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I pull on his power. I receive his power. I receive his deliverance. I receive his peace at this very moment because I'm not bound by circumstances. I'm not bound by other people's moods. Lord, I receive it from you. I receive this rich flow of your spirit. I receive this rich flow of glory that you've designated for me. I receive it now. I receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit that breaks every yoke and causes deliverance to come. Hallelujah. I don't have to wait for people to be in a good mood. I don't have to wait to have a lot of money. I don't have to wait for everything to be just right for me to experience joy. I can receive it right here and right now. Glory to God in the highest. Hallelujah because there's an invitation that the father gives to his children. Hallelujah. There's an invitation. He says, come. He says, come. He says, come. The Lord Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden. You're laboring. You're heavy laden. He said, and I will give you rest. You got to come. You got to come. You got to come. Hallelujah. What would keep us back from coming? What would keep us back? Well, what are you holding on to? I can't move forward to you if I'm holding on to this. I can't move forward to you if I'm holding on to this. And there are some things in your life that you love, some things in your life that you are drawn to that are not godly. They are not godly. Some things that we're holding on to, whether it's habits, whether it's, whether it's, uh, whether it's some sort of a addiction or something that you really like to do, but it's not necessarily good for you. And the Holy Spirit will show you. Come away from that and come to me. You've got to let go of that so that you can come to me. Let go of that so you you can come to me, hallelujah. And there are some things that we value and we treasure here that is keeping us from the presence of the Lord. Let me tell you now, what God has for you is so much better, hallelujah. What he has for you is so much better, hallelujah. It's so much better, and Jesus is worth the wait, hallelujah. He's worth it, he is worth it, he is worth it, hallelujah. He is worth it, hallelujah. 
holding on, holding on to anger, holding on to bitterness, holding on to unforgiveness, those things, I'm telling you, it's like, it's like a sweet poison. It's like a sweet poison. And, and it, it really eats away at the very fabric of our souls. It eats away at your body. Holding on to depression and, and anger and all these negative things, it's a sweet poison. It's sweet poison. But when it gets in you, it turns to bitterness and it turns to sorrow. God said, let it go, let it go, let it go, let them go. You can't move forward if you're still holding on to something that has happened. Let it go because God's got greater for you, hallelujah. Let it go, glory to God. Oh, I wish I, had, I, wish I had Elsa here, she would help me out. Uh, you'll figure it out next time. She likes to sing, let it go, by the way. If I had her here, she would sing it. Let it go, let it go, and grow your afro. Let it go, let it go. <clears throat> Hallelujah. God's got greater things for you. God's got greater things for you. Hallelujah. God's got greater things for you. Let it go. Glory to God. God's got a glorious condition. There's a blessed hope that's available for you. There's a blessed hope that's available for you. Christ in you is the hope of glory, a glory that shall be revealed and a glory that can be revealed, at least a small part of it right here, right now in your life today. But you've got to let go of this other stuff so that you can receive it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now let me show you something else. In Galatians, the second chapter, verses 15 through 21. I want to read this out of the New Living Translation. I really want you to see this as well. Glory to God. As the Lord, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm not telling you something I read out of a book somewhere. I'm telling you something that I know by the Spirit. There are some things that can just frankly be holding us back, some things that we are attracted to, some things you may be used to, you know, that, that is really just robbing you of the presence of God in your life. It could be your favorite game. Uh, my wife knows it. Hallelujah. Sometime I get a game. Boy, this thing's good. Takes up too much of my time. Oh, got to delete you. Uninstall. Got to delete it. Uninstall. You got to get away from me. You taking too much of my time. And it was good too. I'm playing that thing. Oh, no, no, no. Got to go. Got to go. Uh, something, something anymore. I'm going to close the door. Here. <clears throat> All right, here we go. Galatians, the second chapter, verse number 15 through 21. Look at this side of the New Living Translation, and uh, I want to read this to you. All right, say with me, Christ is in me. It's the hope of glory. Christ in me is the hope of glory. All right, come on. All right, so verse 15 says, this is Galatians 2, verse 15 through 21, and this is how it reads. You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. What you'll find here is you go back home and you read the entire case. Uh, Peter uh, was there and he was ministering to the Gentiles and everything was fine until some of the other Jewish brother came, brethren came down and, and he sort of got embarrassed that he was associating uh, with the Gentiles. And, and he was eating, at first he was eating with the Gentiles, but then when they came down, he stopped sitting with them and he starts sitting with the Jews and you know and this all thing was all messed up and Paul had to come down and confront him to his face 
and uh, this is a part of this confrontation here. Verse 16 says, um, yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. And we're going to talk about that by obeying the law. It fits, let me tell you. Verse 17 says, but suppose we, we seek to be right, be made right, um, with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has made, or rather Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Look at verse 18. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. Verse 20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Now, we're going to switch gears for a second and talk about, and talk about continuing to live in Christ or continuing uh, continuing in Christ. One of the things the devil wants to do is to pull you out of Christ, pull you out of grace by uh, continuing to remind you of your failures, of, all, of your flaws, of reminding you of your sin. If he is successful in reminding you of these things and then you begin to meditate on these things, you're going to slip right out of the grace of God and go right back into law where he wants you. If you are under the constraints of law, we're going to look at this, where you live a life of, I got to be good enough. I got to do this and I got to do that. I got to do this and I got to do that. Oh, he's got you good. And you will actually be in a powerless state because in doing that, you ignore the grace that has been given to you. Remember the law says you have to do it, but grace says I have already done it. Jesus has already done it. Hallelujah. The, the law said, under law, we can say, Lord, I haven't done. But under grace, Jesus says, I have already done it. I've done it for you. So that frees us up to live for God. You, if, you're, if your attention is on your sin, if your attention is on what you have done, and it's either good or bad, if your attention is on that, then your attention is not on Christ. Does that make sense? You can uh, have so much attention on doing something for somebody that you completely ignore them altogether. I got to get up. I got to make you food. I, I got to get up. I got to wash the clothes. I, I got to get up. I got to go outside. I got to get up. I got to do these things for you, but you never spend time with me. Does that make sense? 
I got to go around on all these things, but you never spend time with me. And we can do all things may be good. I got to go to work for you. I got to do this and that and the other. And, but you can do all of that. And, and I've heard husbands come home and say, you should know I love you because I work all the time for you. But you never spend time with me. You can do a whole lot of stuff for me and never spend time with me. Does that make sense? Same token, we can say, our Lord, I love you. I'm going to go read. I'm going to go study. I'm going to go help this one. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that. But you never spend time with him. You never get to know him. This is why the Lord said in the last day, many will say, Lord, Lord, haven't we cast out devils in your name? Lord, Lord, haven't we done many wonderful works in your name? Haven't we done, 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 done? But he will say, I don't know you. I, I don't know you. Your works for him are to be done out of your relationship with him. Does that make sense? Because of him. Amen. All right. So let's go on. Let me, let me show you a, a powerless people. Because Christ is in you, but if you get wrapped up in works of law, wrapped up in doing things, doing good things, you will rob yourself of the power of God and you will stay right where you are. So let's talk about a powerless people. Let me give you five points and then we're going to begin to close out. Are y'all getting anything out of this today? The enemy desires to lure you away from your power source, that is Christ, and make you a powerless person person make you powerless there are five ways let me show you one of them is he wants to convince you that uh, or powerless powerless people are convinced that they are right that they can have right standing with God by achieving rather back up they are convinced right standing with God is achieved by doing good things if you are convinced that you can be right with God because you read your Bible, because you come to church, and because you help people out, if you are convinced that by doing that, you're in right standing with God, you are powerless. Because what happens on the day that you can't read your Bible? What happens on the day that you can't do good? Your status will change every single time. If you are convinced that your doing will make you right with God, you're powerless. Number two, a powerless people are convinced sin can be overcome by doing good. I will overcome this sin. I just got to, I got to just go on a fast. I, I, I got to study my Bible more. I got to, I got to pray more. I, I, I got to rise up, rise up early more. I, I, got to do the, I got to do this good. This is how I'm going to overcome sin by doing good. This is how I'm going to, by doing good things. You are powerless. Verse uh, number three, they are convinced shame and guilt can be overcome by doing good. I won't feel so bad about myself if I just do something good. You are powerless. Because listen, all of these have to do with you and the things that you can do. And when your salvation or your deliverance is based on you, you're powerless. Does that make sense? Number four, they are convinced uh, approval and love will come by doing good things. God will love me more if I do this good thing. And my God, please don't think that people will love you more if you do good things for them. If your love, if people's love for you are, is dependent on you doing good, 
That's a roller coaster. And if they only love you when you do good, then they don't love you at all. Are you hearing? That's not a relationship you want to be a part of. That's not love. That's not the love of God. That's not love. They don't necessarily love you. They love the things that you do. And when you cease to do those things, you really find out how they feel about you. Look at the last one here. They are convinced we can become more powerful in God solely by doing good things. Now, all of these can be tricky because, you know, there's nothing wrong with reading your Bible, nothing wrong with praying, there's nothing wrong with coming to church, nothing wrong with all these things, any good thing that you can think of, helping others, helping your neighbor, nothing wrong with all those things. But listen, you can actually do all those things without God. A lot of people go to church today, they don't care about God. They don't care about becoming intimate with God. They're coming for some other reason. The devil himself knows the Bible. He quoted it to Jesus. People in other quote unquote religions, they fast. People say, uh, you know, fasting, they, doctors may recommend fasting to people. Fast, you gotta have a test tomorrow, so you need to fast and so on and so on. You can do that without Jesus. All these things you can do without the Lord. So these things are simply vehicles, if you use them properly, vehicles to help, you, to help usher you into the presence of God. They are not the end. God is the end. In other words, I'm doing this to get to you. I'm studying your Bible to learn of you. I'm in prayer to, uh, to build intimacy with you. I'm fasting to get closer to you. But if they say, well, I'm gonna, if they say, well, I read my Bible, so I'm good with God today. Uh, I prayed, so I must be good today. Are you catching the flow of this? That's a powerless person because the enemy will always get on your back. Oh, you didn't study today. You didn't go to church this week. So he'll tie you, tie you from the power of God based on your actions. And if your salvation is based solely on you, you will always be powerless. Even though Christ is there, you ignore him because you're trying to do something good. But instead of doing that, get to know him. Say, Lord, I'm, when you open your Bible, say, Lord, I wanna know you. Show me you. Show, show yourself to me through the pages of the Bible. Lord, I wanna pray. Lord, let me encounter your presence as we pray together. My heart is aligned with him. And if I do something good for someone, or when I do something good for someone, it's not so that I can be in right standing with you. I'm already in right standing with you. And I'm doing this because this is the right thing to do because I love you and your love compels me to love and serve others. Your love compels me to study the Bible. Your love compels me to come to church. Your love compels me to do good. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? The rest of that is just going to be wrong, just going to be faulty. So again, those who only adhere uh, or hear the voice of the law doing, you'll always be without the power of God. But those who hear the voice of the Spirit, hear, hear what Christ has done, you know, you'll find yourself walking in the power of God. You won't be powerless because you're depending on Christ for your salvation. And there's a big difference. And you're trying to do good so that you can be saved, so that you can be right. 
Instead of receiving your salvation by faith, Lord, I'm depending on you to make me right. I'm depending on your blood to wash my sins away. And because of my faith in you, I know that I am in right standing with God. And because I'm in right standing, uh, right standing in God through you, you know, I'll do good things. And there is a difference between that. The law has a purpose and the law shows you your sin. But grace shows you the Lord's righteousness. So in one ear, we hear what God, we, in one ear, the law, we hear the bad things that we've done. But in the other ear, you've got to hear the good things that Jesus has done. And when you go into the presence of the Lord to confess your sins, and we're stopping here, we're closing here. When you go into the presence of the Lord to confess your sin, what you do not want to do is just say, Lord, uh, please forgive me of fornication. I, I messed up again. Please forgive me of adultery. Uh, I look where I shouldn't have looked. Please, Lord, forgive me for lying and for cheating. And uh, Lord, I ask you to forgive me and take these things away from me. I confess I did it. Amen. Why, why, why just dump that stuff like that? Yes, you can say that, but then immediately after that, begin to declare, Thank you that you've forgiven me of my sins and that you have washed those things away out of my life. Thank you that I am the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Thank you that I have been justified by Christ Jesus. Are you hearing me? You confess who you are and confess what Jesus has done for you with his blood. Hallelujah. This is a true confession. This is a true confession. And as you continue to confess who you are in him, you'll find out that your sin list gets a whole lot shorter. But if you continue to magnify what you've done, it will continue to grow. One man said uh, he had two dogs, and, and they were um, greyhound dogs, and, and uh, sometimes he would race them. And uh, the man, someone else asked him, you know, how do you know which one is going to win? He said, well, that's easy, the one I feed the most. That's the one that's going to win. And so I'll ask you, who are you feeding the most? Are you feeding your sin the most? Are you, oh, what are you meditating on all the time? If it's always something negative, always something bad, that dog is going to win. But you meditating on the word of God, who you are in Christ, you're declaring who you are in Christ. When the time of temptation comes, that dog is going to win. So which dog is going to win? And that's not up to God. That's up to you. What I'm telling you today, what I'm telling you is that Christ lives in you. And there, because of that, you have a hope of glory and expected good. You have an expected good, but not just up in the sweet by and by. It can be right here in the now. How many of you would say, I need more joy now? I need more peace now. I need more love now. Hallelujah. I need, I need more faith now. I, I need him. I need his presence more now. I'm thankful I have it there. Hallelujah. But I'm still down here right now. Amen. And your father's not keeping the best parts from you. He's not saying, well, as soon as you get up here, then you'll have peace. As soon as you get up here, you know, endure it down there. Yeah, but as soon as you get, as soon as you come up here, you'll have it. No, and see you suffering right now, won't give it to you now. No, he's made a door. It's open for you. It's open for you to receive the wisdom of God right now. But just, you know, through our ignorance and, or through our arrogance or through our pride, we don't ask. We don't ask. And remember, if you're still holding on to something with one hand, he can't give you something with the other. I mean, you're going to have to let something go. 
You have to let it go. Ask him what it is. Make that sacrifice, and you'll see that he is well worth it. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the word that you've given us today. And Lord, I pray for our online community, those that are watching right now, those that are listening uh, later on. Father, we pray for them that they will enter in into your goodness, that they would enter in into your grace right here and right now today. Those of you that are hurting, those of you that have been abused, those of you that are going through difficult times, we want you to know that there is an open door that the Father has set for you. He has set for you. You just have to walk in it. You just have to walk in it. He loves you more than you will ever know. Make the choice to come to him because your father is waiting for you. And Father, I thank you for those in this room right now. And Lord, I pray that we will enter into that glorious state. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Remember, if you would like to hear today's message in its entirety or hear the entire series, just go to our website at www.kingdomrock.org. That's kingdomrock.org. You can also subscribe to our podcast and get it on the go. And if you have a Roku device, make sure you search for Kingdom Rock TV. And there you will find this program and so much more. We would also love to see you in a live service. Just go to our website to get the details at www.kingdomrock.org. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.